Hey, my name is Heath. And I'm John. And this is the Film Drive Review. discussing the new Halloween film, Old Man and the Gun, Robert Redford's latest and possibly last film, Apostle, that's on Netflix currently, and then we're going to trash Hunter Killer at the end. Alright, like I said, first on the agenda today is the new Halloween movie. I have never been a horror movie fan, but uh, for some reason Halloween has kind of always stuck with me. It's, for the longest time, it was the scariest movie I'd ever seen. The, the 1978 original that is uh, John Carpenter directed. Yeah, this series is a total mess because now with the new <laughs> f- the new film we have three movies called Halloween, including the original, right. a remake, and now a, a sequel to the original, but ignoring all the other sequels because there is a Halloween two and three and four and five, so it's kind of bananas. This it is bananas, Yeah, so now the the canon, if you will, is a movie called Halloween, and then a sequel called Halloween. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Halloween, the 2018 film, directed by David Gordon Green, who kind of got better known for doing comedies. He did The Sitter, Pineapple Express, The Awful, Your Highness, uh, Eastbound and Down, but he started his career with a movie called George Washington. And then... All the real girls. And has done a lot more dramatic films. Uh, so the movie is written by David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride, actually, who he works with quite often. Both uh, Carolina boys. Rotten Tomatoes right now, 80%. IMDb, 7.5 out of 10. And Google, 92%. Well, it's a hit. Yeah. Certifiable Google hit. Now, to compare that to the original, Rotten Tomatoes, 95%, IMDb, 7.9 out of 10, and Google, 88%. Huh. So, we might be in that um, that coveted position where the sequel holds up to the original. It's much like Godfather 2, Empire Strikes Back, Attack of the Clones. Oh my dude, you just got pranked! Bet you didn't see that one coming, huh? Well, there's definitely some sort of an age bias on that, too, because, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is not aggregating near as many yeah. reviewers for the old one as it is, you know, the, the brand new one. And God only knows what, you know, Google is doing. <laughs> yeah, as we've seen. They are in the same ballpark, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this installment, as we already discussed, attempts to erase everything post-1978. Uh, and I think it, it works. It does a great job of kind of nixing the confusing parts of the of the canon and just saying like look all the things that you've heard none of that happened none of it's true they're like urban legends i guess well and it which is great because later films in the hollywood franchise tried to bring supernatural elements into it uh well the ones that had michael myers in it of course there were some i think it was the third one maybe where he wasn't even part of it um, right. Whereas the original was so effective because it was about a human being that was just pure evil. Purely and simply evil. And how terrifying it was to watch that 
be unleashed on unsuspecting yeah. individuals. It didn't need any sort of backstory or any of this other nonsense they, they tried to force onto it in later films. And, or in the Rob Zombie-directed remake where they put a lot of effort into trying to give Michael Myers a backstory where he's like an abused child or something to justify, or not to justify, but to, I don't know, to give empathy to his character for <laughs> whatever reason. Um, what I always really liked about Michael Myers, and, and I've said this over the years, is that he doesn't run, he doesn't teleport, he, Michael Myers walks, he walks after his prey. Although he's, he still disappears sure like i mean i guess which... but but and he doesn't carry a weapon he always just finds a knife so right away he doesn't carry a machete sure. like jason he doesn't have knife hands like freddy what a face no he's just a guy that lumbers around yeah and he's he's like a big tank really and I, that's always been the scariest part about it to me, is that he knows he's going to get you no, no matter what. Well, I, you know, I I can't remember when I saw the original. Um, I think it was more just in the fabric of my knowledge of film, or I'd seen scenes here and there on TNT or something, you know, every Halloween when they'd start doing the horror movie marathons and whatnot. So I actually went back to look at it, you know, in preparation for this discussion. And I don't know, I... I guess at it, if, when it came out in its time, and if if it really affected you, um, that would make you excited for this direct sequel. But for me, it was just kind of like, all right, that was nice. It was competently directed. You know, the score is really famous. But slasher flicks, I don't know. I just don't really care about a guy killing a bunch of you know horny teenagers. Yeah, and like I don't like horror movies either. So I guess it just was one that stuck with me, and I've always really enjoyed the original. I don't think I've seen any of the other ones except for H2O. Yeah, when Jamie Lee Curtis uh, came back. I didn't back. see the Rob Zombie ones, but I was excited for this. And yeah, so what we see is what 40 years of paranoia will do to somebody. So Jamie Lee Curtis reprises her role as Laurie Stroud in this, and she has been turned into like a doomsday prepper. Her home has all these traps and lights and... Uh, her basement has canned goods, and like she's ready for the end of the world. Or more specifically, the return of Michael Myers, the right? The return of Michael Myers, Which, in yes. this sequel, they get rid of the idea that they're brother and sister, right? Because that was a later, later addition. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's better. Yeah, they they uh, even say, like, oh, wasn't, uh, wasn't he her brother? And like, no, that's just an urban legend. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No. It was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Uh, the the beginning of it is kind of framed as these podcasters are doing like a making a murderer kind of thing, or they've done that in the past, and so they're sure. trying to dig into the story, and they're trying to agitate him, so they've brought the mask, the original mask. Hello, Michael. I have something you might like to see. Right away, you see that there's some sort of connection between Michael Myers and the mask, and Dr. Loomis, who is Donald Pleasance, not alive anymore, but he has this disciple named Dr. Sartain, played by Turkish actor Haluk Bilginer. I don't know how to say it. it. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. You can see that he's not all there either, kind of a little off, but 
you know, he works with psychopaths all his life, so it's probably just a character trait that he has. I I think Dr. Loomis was a little spacey as well. Oh, no, he, he was very much, if you go back and you watch the film now through... Uh, discerning eyes you can see man this dude is he should not have been a doctor <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah no i mean he can, he's well he ultimately you know not to spoil the movie that's been around for forever you know the end of the movie has him shooting michael myers ostensibly killing him he was shot by his own psychiatrist the whole film is put into motion because they're they're transporting michael to another location which already is going to spell disaster because he somehow manages to get free and we already know where he's going he's going to get the mask that these podcasters had there's a lot of great homages in this film to the original as far as like the score goes and some of like shots that they that they've kind of reused or or thematic shots and uh when I heard that first like synth harpsichordy kind of uh, sound, I got really excited. I was like, "Oh, you know, this is what was really great about the original movie is just this kind of strange but effective score." Yeah, dissonant sound. Yeah, exactly. So Nick Castle even comes back and reprises his role as Michael Myers. Little tidbit, I don't know if you knew this, Nick Castle actually wrote the screenplay for Hook. No, I had no idea. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> um, so there's actually some really genuinely terrifying moments that aren't just jump scares. You know, that's what a lot of horror movies have kind of come to, is kind of trying to distract you to one side of the screen, and then, boom! There's something else here. Right, with canned screaming noise. There were some things that kind of bugged me a little bit. Judy Greer is Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter in this. Uh, her name is Karen. They have a very strained relationship, as is going to happen when your mother is essentially a psychopath and tries to raise you, fearing the boogeyman that you didn't ever actually see. You don't believe in the boogeyman? It shows that the the granddaughter has a relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis, but she calls her grandmother, which is just weird to me. It's so formal. Really? Like, just says, like, grandmother, grandmother, are, are you okay? And even in her, like, iPhone, it's saved as grandmother. It's it's jarring to me. I don't know if it matters to anybody else. I mean, I called my, my I still call my mother's father grandfather, so I don't. Yeah, so maybe it's just sort of me. Similar. And the bigger problem, though, is that there are characters that do things without any real motivation. Of course, you're yeah. going to need that to yeah. make some things work in a movie like this. Yeah, and I don't even just mean like, oh, don't run in there where you think the killer is. It's not even that right. stuff. It's just, um, like I don't, I don't want to spoil it for anybody listening, but there's kind of like a a, a pretty major twist that happens. And there is really no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think I read, I, again, I think the, the review I read didn't mention what it was to not spoil, but I think they hinted that m everything was pretty solid except for like one sort of glaring story mistake, and that might be the same thing you're referring to. It ends up just kind of derailing it a little bit towards the end, but... Other than that, I thought it was super solid. If they make a, a sequel to this one, if they continue it, 
I am looking forward to seeing Judy Greer come back as a badass, just like Jamie Lee Curtis is in this one. I saw an article this week that was actually asking the question or pushing the argument that this version of Halloween is sort of a conservative manifesto because of how Laurie Strode's character is portrayed as, like you said, like this person who's preparing herself, uh, arming herself, waiting for the inevitable return of this evil because she knows institutions will ultimately fail her, and and they do. And then I guess it's probably not too much to say that she ends up being right because she has to battle Mike Myers again. Sort of how, at the same time, it flips a lot of expectations on their head because it is these women who are, at the end of the story, coming out on top or, you know, whatever happens. The only other... I guess, controversy that I've seen about it is Jamie Lee Curtis's kind of personal stance against firearms and then people saying that she's being a hypocrite by starring in this movie where she's using guns and stuff. I saw that. I saw that interview, but in in it, she said, you know, my personal views aside, I think she said she believes in more control of weapons, but she does also believe in the, you know, in the Second Amendment of the Constitution. And I thought, you know, that's a very logical thing to say. Yeah, I think people are just looking for issues wherever they can find them <laughs> oh yeah it's like every movie now the flag and first man what was the other thing that was a big controversy we talked about it on this podcast um oh it wasn't even in the movie it was with predator with the the guy getting cut out because he he was a registered That's sex right. offender yeah it's like every, i think venom might have been the only movie <laughs> we've seen recently that escaped without any sort of controversy attached to it other than it being ridiculous so yeah i would say if you're a fan of the franchise, absolutely check this one out. If you're looking for a good horror movie, definitely check this one out. I saw it in a Dolby theater, so the sound was real crisp, and there's subwoofers under the seats. What about if you don't like horror movies, if you're not a horror movie person? I mean, if you're not a horror movie person, then you're not going to want to go see it, because you're probably going to get scared. Well, I mean, not I mean, that's not the question I have necessarily, because I, I don't really like horror movies, but not because of this. I've never watched a movie that was scary. Uh, since I've been an adult, it's just normally this, you know, the, the tropes and stuff don't appeal to me. I think it's a well done film. It's, it's, it's done well enough that if you're not a horror movie fan, you could still enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. To answer that question. And there's gotta be some humor in it, right? With Danny McBride being the writer. Yeah. There's some genuinely funny moments, uh, tongue in cheek moments that play really well. So yeah, it's, it's a good one. Old Man and the Gun. I have been looking forward to seeing this one for quite some time, and it didn't come to Seattle until just recently, or at least to a theater that I wanted to make my way to. But uh, so it's directed by a guy named David Lowry and co-directed by his mustache. Uh, he's known for Ain't Them Bodies Saints, Pete's Dragon, and A Ghost Story, which I didn't know that he did Pete's Dragon until I started looking at this. Ain't Them Body Saints is Casey Affleck. Yeah. Like the psychopath murder spree. Is that the one? Uh, I did not look and see what it's about. I just have known about I the title. I, I think I remember seeing it, and it was uh, it was a solid film, but I might be confusing with another Casey Affleck film. There's one where he's like a crazy person, and he burns a house down at the end, but that might not be it. Manchester by the Sea? Oh! No. <laughs> So it's uh, based on an article written by a guy named David Gran, and so it's it's a true story, or it, 
as the tagline in the film says, mostly true. Right now, Rotten Tomatoes, 90%. IMDb, 7.4 out of 10. And Google, 83%. So, you know, on the lower end of Google. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me too much. There probably a lot less people have seen this one. And since yes. Google is all about clicking the thumbs up or thumbs down, uh, probably, yeah. uh, probably smaller sample size so uh the film details the end of a career criminal's life of politely robbing banks robert redford is the lead forrest tucker and uh he is very capable in this role the character is a gentleman in all things he holds up a bank without ever really using any harsh words or violence or anything he just walks into these banks and either writes down a note or just asks to speak to a manager and says he wants to make a withdrawal and kind of opens up his coat and that's where the gun is. Um, Casey Affleck co-stars and he's a detective that's hell-bent on catching him. Like He kind of is coasting through his career until he's challenged by his, his daughters, you know, saying, well, why don't you just catch him? And then he kind of takes that as a kick in the ass and really starts to dedicate his his time to catching this guy in the story has robert redford's character ever been caught before yes he has he's been caught uh once he escapes from jail 16 times so he's in and out of jail throughout most of his life but we're just seeing a very short snippet. It's like 1981, I think. Okay. So towards the very, very end of his of his career, this movie feels old. It's it's a very old fashioned film. It could have been rated PG. There's no violence. There's no swearing. There's no sex. There's no drugs. Nothing. So why should I see it? It's just a it's a well done film. It feels very genuine, wholesome, maybe. Yeah, I mean, even if it is about a bank robber, he, he opens up his his jacket and you and you don't even see the gun. So they'll talk to these bank tellers and managers, and Casey Affleck's like, "But he held the gun to you," and like, "No, he didn't." Like, but you saw it. Right? And it's like, I don't remember if I ever actually saw a gun. And it hmm. just kind of speaks to the charisma that this guy had, that he was able to just get people to give him money and then walk right. away. And uh, he sets it up great by going in with a hearing aid in his ear, which is actually a police scanner. He's got a fake mustache on. Just the barest of costumes or, or disguises. And walks out drives away around a corner switches his car and that's it like and he gets away and he just does it to do it he doesn't live lavishly he actually has two accomplices that are played by danny glover and tom waits oh nice tom waits yeah and for tom waits to be in a film where like i said it could be rated pg I mean, that's something special but uh there's a great scene where robert redford's on uh, like a building top looking down taking notes and the camera starts to pull away, and it's this really long zoom, and you see that the camera's actually inside of the bank across the street. So it feels like right out of a 1970s, like Dirty Harry or something. Yeah. Like, you just don't see that stuff anymore. Rack zooms. Yeah, exactly. The whole question behind this movie is that this is supposed to be Robert Redford's last film. This is his swan song. And I 
absolutely believe it. I, I believe that he deliberately chose this or, or he was approached by to do this as his last film because at the end it details all of his escapes and especially one where he breaks out of San Quentin by using old two by fours and tarp to make a boat and sails away. But they show clips from other Redford movies, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Yeah, there's there's a few shots of just like a really young Robert Redford. Oh, nice. And it feels like a very deliberate package of this is his career and that's it. I say that with one caveat. The very end, he settled down with Sissy Spacek, who is in this as well as his love interest. And he has been in jail and decides to go straight. He doesn't try and break out. He he stays in and serves, I don't know, like 10 years or something, and goes on living with Sissy Spacek. You can see that he's getting restless. He gets bored. And the very last shot is he calls Casey Affleck's character and kind of gives him like a little tease, something, and he hangs up the phone and he's walking into a bank. Okay. And you're like, oh, geez. Yeah. Then you find out that... He actually, Forrest Tucker actually continued to rob banks and actually died in prison in 2004. Oh, such a a wonderful ending. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I think that it could be his last film, but if that's any indication, maybe that's like a a little thumb of the nose per the sting. Maybe I'll come back if something really compels me or if I get bored. Yeah, I think uh, Clint Eastwood retired and then came back and uh, a couple of people have done the same thing, but... I think I think I was telling you one time the only person who ever really quit in minute so far has been Sean Connery, and uh, man he he really did he just he hadn't come back. But uh, I think I wouldn't be too heartbroken if this was Redford's last film. I mean, outside of a nice turn in uh, Winter Soldier, was it Winter Soldier or Civil War? Captain oh, yeah. America. Outside of that, uh, I haven't he hadn't really done anything compelling in the last you know ten fifteen years. So. Yeah, he did like Lions for Lambs, which did which, terribly because it was Lord. super yeah. political and people were like, eh. Yeah, it was a polemic, yeah. But that was, even that was a long time ago, I mean, comparatively speaking. So, yeah, for him to make, make a good classical film and go out on, on that would uh, would be very classy and be very appropriate for a gentleman of his of his Hollywood stature. Absolutely. <laughs> All right! That's it for me! That's why I think that it might be his last one. The last Redford movie, like, that is an actual Robert Redford movie that I really liked was Spy Game. Yeah, and he's entertaining in that for sure. Although I think of that as more of a Brad Pitt movie, but Boy Scout. Operation Dinner Out. Dinner hours ago. I would recommend seeing it. You don't necessarily need to see it in the theater. You don't gain anything by seeing it in a theater. The screen that I saw it in, I think there was probably 50 seats in there. It's um, it's a nice little pleasant film. Moving right along to The Apostle. Right now, Rotten Tomatoes, 80%. IMDb, 6.4 out of 10. And Google, 77%. Man, failed Google. It's directed by a guy named Gareth Evans. He's a Welshman. But he is known for directing the Raid films, which is credited with bringing the Indonesian martial arts Pinsak Salat to the Western world. Yeah, and did you ever get a chance to to watch either the Raid or the Raid 2? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. I was going to, but I did not. 
uh, yeah, they they brought that martial arts style to you know to Western eyes, and it is crazy that you know the, I saw the raid in, in theaters, and then when I went and was reading about it later and saw that this fat because he was very fat at the time Welsh guy had directed it, I, I was just very confused. I was like, what is happening? Because because both of the films, the the raid and the raid two, are all Indonesian actors. It speaking you know in their native tongue, so it's just something you don't you don't expect to see a white Welshman directing them, but they are incredible action films. And he has done a lot via those films to influence um, action films in the last couple of years with the, the biggest example being the stylized choreography of the John Wick films, sort of these long fluid takes that uh, in John Wick used gunplay, whereas in the raid, and the Raid 2, they were, you know, of course, a lot of, well, there was a lot of gun stuff going in that too, but more the focus was on, like, martial arts, hand-to-hand combat, that sort of thing. So with uh, Daredevil, is, is that kind of the same? The, the, the hallway fight in the first Daredevil season is taken directly, or it's a direct homage to a hallway fight in the Raid. Nice, okay, um, okay. Yeah, it, it's it's meant to be sort of a yeah like a like I guess the word would be homage. It's it's meant to call back to that sequence in the raid, uh, and then it, and then when the raid two came along, it's it, it got a lot bigger in scope. But his his direction is very crisp. It's very uh, very clean. The the action is all presented where you can see everything happening. It's not. It, it's about long takes, steady cam moves. It's not about like choppy editing and. Uh, that that's sort of you can see that same style if you if you've watched John Wick. Um, the idea is like let's let the audience watch these people fight. Yeah, know? it reminds me of the first Born movie, because um, then they were keeping everything centered, all the action and stuff. Even though it was fast, all the action took place in the middle of the screen. But then once it got into Greengrass's hands, it was all shaky cam and out of right, focus yeah. and stuff. So Greengrass very much shaky cam. None of that is particularly <laughs> relevant because yeah. the apostle or apostle no the is oh, excuse me is a ostensibly a horror film I guess you could call it a thriller thriller horror so Netflix and this is his third film which is interesting it's a complete departure from what Evans has done before and also he wrote it so that's something to keep in mind. Do you have the actor's name, the the lead? It stars a guy named Dan Stevens, who is in Legion on FX. And then Michael Sheen, those are like the two big leads. Uh, it's set in early 1900s, Welsh Island. Look at him! He runs like a Welshman! Which makes sense because Gareth Evans is, is a Welshman. Doesn't he? Doesn't he run like a Welshman? All I really got from it was that it feels a lot like The Wicker Man. So it is the the story is uh, there is a cult that is living on this island, and Dan Stevens' character Thomas Richardson, his sister, got kidnapped by the cult. They come from a wealthy family, uh, and you get all that at the very beginning through sort of a letter and exposition, and then the movie really starts with Dan Stevens' character infiltrating this cult uh, led by Michael Sheen who uh, is fantastic in the film. And Dan, Dan Stevens is incredible. Uh, I, I would say that, the, that he gives 110% in this film, and if anything works in it, it's because 
of his performance. As we touched on in talking about Halloween, I don't watch horror films that often, and really the only ones I've seen in the last couple of years have been on Netflix because there's been some really sort of -of out-of-the-box square pegs that have uh, that Netflix has put on there. Uh, the Ritual is another one that came out earlier this year, uh, and I did see The Witch, um, mostly because I was intrigued by the setting and the adherence to this old, uh, like the the per- period accurate language, period accurate events, um, things that are sort of extraneous to the the horror element. Like the horror element is 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 just woven into. I guess I said that backwards. The the horror element is extraneous to the the rest of the story, which is more of this dark drama going on. Right. I thought it was interesting that uh, Dan Stevens, he's like a lapsed missionary that was trying to bring Christianity to Peking during right. the Boxer Rebellion. I'm like, no one has ever talked about the Boxer Rebellion in films. <laughs> so... And I, and it's those sort of things that 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 are intriguing to me. That and I had seen the raid, so I came watching this. Um, but the problems it has for me are, are problems that exist for me in horror films. And the main problem I have with horror films is most of them ones that deal with ghosts or demons, uh, supernatural elements. They, they don't work. They don't have an internal logic that makes a lot of sense. And this film is similar in that way. You have a cult. That's clearly meant to be sort of a a perversion of Christianity. You have a church on the island. You have Michael Sheen, who's like the the pastor. Uh, He's reading from like a Bible-type book. And then, yeah, you have Dan Stevens' character, who who was a missionary, who's lost his faith because the Chinese tortured him or whatever, tried to kill him, um, which is something we've seen before. It's something we've seen in historical films, like with Silence, with Liam Neeson, character in that film and then later the other guys but so the movie very much is using you know christian christian imagery christianity as a religion to establish its world which makes sense historically but also then it wants to bring in supernatural elements that don't have any i don't know logic to them uh in a world that would also have Christianity as it, it's basically like the movie says, okay, Christianity doesn't, it, it, people believe in it, but it's not real. But instead what is real is like this witch that lives on this Island or something like that. And that's generally what kind of turns me off to these films. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to acknowledge uh, God or, you know, Jesus Christ, but we will have hell and the devil. And then the characters who are fighting in these horror films always have to find some way that doesn't really make sense to defeat the demon or rid themselves of the ghosts, which ghosts in and of themselves don't make any sense to me because why would some dead spirits be here? And and no movie I've ever seen has really explained that in a way that makes sense to me because the open question is, well, what about everybody else, you know? Your unfinished business. They'll have unfinished business. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, right, which is just dumb to me. So when Apostle starts out, it starts out really well because it is it's a guy who's infiltrating a cult to try to rescue his sister, and at the beginning there's really no sort of supernatural elements to it. It's just, you know, there's cre- the, the cult does creepy stuff, you know, like cults do. Um, it's, it's more set up like 
a more extreme like Mormon or 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 Branch Davidian, you know, David Koresh kind of scenario where everybody is is a devout believer, but Dan Stevens' character knows that oh no, they don't, you know, they don't believe in something that's true. But then we start to see slowly, slowly the film, it's a very slow build, starts to bring in the supernatural elements into it until finally the third act just goes f- head first into what's really going on on this island. And then it gets just kind of a little bonkers from there. Um, that's where there, you find out that there is like this supernatural, I don't know what you would call it, deity or something that the the cult is supporting but they don't know it the cult doesn't know it it's just michael sheen knows it and then it becomes like dan stevens fighting uh, like a monster or something and it's weird it's very weird and, and in an intriguing way the way it's shot the way it's it's presented the actors never let up like they're 100 percent sold in it um there's some really kind of gruesome stuff going on with the this other guy who wants to take over the cult he like drills a guy's head open at one point a lot of the imagery is very affecting i guess not scary not scary at all but more like um just unnerving which i i i I like that i find that fine but uh, what really lets this the movie down ultimately is the writing it just the and the way it ends doesn't really make a lot of sense It, it stays true to the central story which is dan stevens wants to get his sister off the island and ultimately that's what the ending is about but none of the supernatural stuff like really makes any sense i was a little disappointed by that leading up to that like the two first two thirds of the movie i was really into it i liked the pacing i liked the the acting i liked uh it's gorgeously shot every detail is very true to the world that they're in uh costumes and all of that and there are some truly like creepy moments. There's like one jump scare in there too, but it's earned. It's long too. It's a very long film. I, I was happy again, as I have been with some of these other Netflix movies we've watched, to not have been in a position where I got excited about it or got interested in it and then paid and then once you know went and was like, eh. but it's it's it, it, it's nice that it has a home on Netflix because it, it just is sort of strange. It's it's one part historical drama, one part horror, one part thriller, uh, rescue movie. It's got a lot that is going well for it. Uh, the main thing that disappointed me was because it was directed by the guy from the raid. I was just waiting for you know like that big, I don't know, fight scene or action sequence. And it comes, but very, very briefly. There's a very, very quick sort of action sequence near the end of the film, which is great, but then it, it it's over in a flash, and then I was like, oh, man. Was there any indication why he departed from doing movies like the raid and decided to go and do this i don't know i don't know i mean like i said he wrote it uh and you can tell that he was very much invested in the film because it is it is incredibly well directed uh and incredibly well acted it's just the ultimately the the story doesn't pay off in a satisfying way so i think if he'd had somebody else helping him with the narrative elements it might have been a stronger movie in the end. Gotcha. Would you recommend it? Well, like I said, I, I don't watch horror movies, and it had me up to the end. I mean, I just because I didn't really care for how it panned out at the end doesn't mean it wasn't entertaining to watch. So, uh, yeah, if you don't mind, like, a few 
moments of sort of gruesome imagery, you know, a little bit of blood here or there. Uh, Dan Stevens is incredible. Like I, I've not really, wa- I've seen him in some bit stuff because I haven't watched Legion, but I walked away from it thinking, man, this guy is, this guy is the real deal. Um, and Michael Sheen too. He's great. He's done a lot of like campy stuff. He's done a lot of serious stuff, but he, he gives like a really great performance in this. And they're surrounded by characters, uh, smaller characters whose, whose motivations are clear and they they act within, you know, within the world they're in, in ways that make sense. Um, so everything is very well executed, I guess I should say. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, if you, if you are at all interested in something that's a little weirder, a little sort of, uh, I read somebody call it a square peg, square peg for a round hole. If that intrigues you in any way, then yeah. Uh, but I would much more say, go, <laughs> go watch the first two watch raid, raid films, <laughs> watch the first raid film so that you can watch the second raid film because yeah, Michael Sheen, he's like, uh, he's like a chameleon, very, uh, Gary Oldman like he is I mean he I I was just watching him in this movie thinking man this guy is this guy is fantastic him and Dan Stevens really all right speaking of Gary Oldman we have reached the end of our show where we're going to do a trailer trash trailer trash for a movie called Hunter Killer Gerard Butler will not stop doing American accents yeah Uh, I just can't it's like, you know what, guy? I, I love you. You're the best. I mean, I thought that, um, what was it? The the one with Pablo Schreiber earlier this year or last year where they're cops and robbers. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Den of Thieves? Den of Thieves. Did yeah. you see that one? Yeah, actually. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that one was great. Just pure, unadulterated Gerard Butler maniac performance. Uh, but his accent... <laughs> You just can't do an American accent, and it drives me crazy. I love that he actually apologized for trying to do an Irish accent for P.S. Oh, I for Love You. P.S. I Love You. Yeah, yeah. well, he should have. <laughs> but maybe he should be apologizing for his American accent, too. Hunter Killer opens up, and it's Battleship 2. Battle stations. That's what I thought immediately. I was like, oh, why are they doing this? It's crazy. The cast is nuts. Like you mentioned, Gary Oldman, Common... Gerard Butler, um, there's a guy in there whose face I recognize who I, I don't know what his name is. I think he was, he's the dad in Lost in Space that's on Netflix right now. But I mean, I think Gary Oldman is the most sort of like, what? what? Yeah. Oh, a Linda Cardellini is in it too. Yeah, right? And I was like, oh, you're getting like some more recognizable work now. Okay, got it. So submarines. <laughs> yeah. Submarines. Russians. The coolest part of the entire yeah, trailer is that they do that Michael Jackson lean. Oh, on the ship, yeah, on the the submarine. I will probably see this movie at some point. I'm I'm definitely not gonna go see it in theaters. Oh, I it's probably like Geostorm will. Geostorm, <laughs> or uh, you had Geostorm. You had um, what was the other one with him in it recently too? Just um, just these sort of like out of this world nonsense movies with Gerard Butler acting a hundred percent. You know, he's not he's not phoning it in. No, he's in this movie and. But the trailer just makes it look like a bunch of these actors that have been stitched into scenes from a Call of Duty because there's lots of CGI missiles flying around and explosions. There's just the worst sort of military lingo. 
Did we just start a war? No, but we might have sailed into one. Did we just start a war? No, but we might have sailed into one. We might have sailed into one. Oh yeah, I think we just started World War Three. You know, we gotta kidnap the Russian president. So we've gone back to Russia now. It's it's no longer the cartel. We're back with Russia. And if this is gonna be have an international audience at all, I wonder if it's going to go to Russia and how that's gonna go with Putin seeing that and be like well, it makes it look like it's like the Russians aren't even the bad guys. There's like a Russian. They're like at one point, oh, it's a coup, and then it, and then you see that, oh no, we actually have to rescue the Russian president now, and so oh, big twist, you know. Um, but <laughs> I I can't for the life of me buy Common as a naval officer. I just and he's not even trying to not talk like Common. He's like. If we don't stop them now, it's going to be World War Three. And I'm like, oh, come on. And, you know, I can't buy Gerard Butler. Again, we talked about him. Gary Oldman. It's just it's just too absurd. Uh, not necessarily in a bad way. You know, it could be very entertaining. Yeah. It looks so over the top that as I'm watching the trailer again to do this trash, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to pretend. I will probably see this. You will be court-martialed. That is my job to keep you alive long enough so you can testify. There's about 16 different oohs in this one trailer of 2 minutes. Oorahs! You know, it's it's very gung-ho, but it it looks like they had Gary Oldman in common for maybe a day, so they shot all their scenes in this one like op center of them staring at screens and then the rest of the movie is probably just Gerard Butler and his guys on the submarine, you know, firing missiles and doing outrageous sub maneuvers and being very quiet yeah <laughs> they there, there's a scene in the trailer where it's like these missiles or, or these torpedoes are fired at the sub and they explode and then the sub just kind of comes out of a cloud untouched and i thought is this supposed to be like i don't know like is this supposed to be like a big moment like oh look the sub escaped it almost looks like it's supposed to be a smoke screen but it's like who yeah underwater where are you hiding from? Yeah, you're underwater. <laughs> you have sonar and all that stuff. Uh, the I saw the poster though. And the poster's really cool too. It's like this. It's like white with this big gash in the ice with the top of the. It kind of reminded me of the thing a little bit, both a submarine. Does it look like a good movie? No, absolutely not. Does it look like something I would be thoroughly entertained by? Likely. Good update to the hunt for Red October. Oh, I can't. You can't put those in the same. <laughs> the same category maybe more like crimson tide it has been a while since we've had a uh, a submarine movie though i can't remember the last one before this other than maybe u571 that's been ages ago okay so we just talked about halloween i definitely recommend seeing it even if you don't like horror movies old man in the gun starring robert redford i think is a great swan song for redford don't necessarily have to see it in a theater, but I would recommend seeing it at some point. And then uh, we just talked about Apostle on Netflix, directed by Gareth Evans. Um, it's a weird historical drama peppered with some thriller. Yeah, it's it's a weird film. If you like weird stuff, I guess check it out. It's not that I'll lose. It's on Netflix. And then we just trashed the trailer for Hunter Killer. It's the latest uh, Gerard Butler trying to not be Scottish as hell. 
I just realized it would be so perfect to just cut that scene from the Aquaman trailer of him jumping onto the submarine. <laughs> permission to come aboard. Come aboard. I mean, that would yeah. work perfectly in this trailer. Permission to come aboard. He, Aquaman needs to be in this movie. Uh, join us next week. Michael Keaton is stopping by. It was a big ask for him, so um, I'm glad that he was able to take some time out and come in and talk to us about being Birdman and being Batman. And he died at the end of Birdman. There's no, there's no other interpretation. He died. He was a crazy man. He jumped out of window. He died. But that's what I intend to ask him. Yeah. So make sure you tune in, and we'll see what kind of craziness we can get into. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.